to another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 6, Episode 4, which is titled Sins of the Fathers. The episode aired on October 21st, 1999. Lauren, what was going on that week 23 years ago? The 1999 World Series is set as the New York Yankees and the Atlanta Braves win their respective league championship series. Sure. Okay. Yeah. It, not not a, it was not a great World Series as I recall. I think the Bra- or uh, the Yankees completely fucking steamrolled them that year. So. Spoilers for a future headline, jeez. And Fight Club, one of the movies in the pantheon of films that shitty men take the wrong message from and starring Brad Pitt, Edward Norton and Helena Bonham Carter and Meatloaf debuts and takes the number one spot at the box office rest in peace meatloaf and heartbreaker by mariah carey featuring jay-z is the number one song for its second and final week i hate that after you said that my brain just automatically went his name was robert paulson i had so many guy friends in high school who were obsessed like my lunch table it would get so uncomfortable because like the the six dude friends would just be like his name was robert paulson his name was robert paulson and they just keep going with it like i said one of the movies in the uh, pantheon of films that shitty men take the wrong message from that i i feel proud to say as a 32 year old man that i've never seen fight club whoa never never seen it and have really no interest in ever seeing it so it's but. It's not a bad movie, but yeah, it's just it's one of those things where it's definitely tarnished by its legacy with the yeah. the impression that people take away from it sometimes. It's it's in that Scott Pilgrim tier of mm-hmm. movie for me of like didn't see it and nothing in my life that has happened since has led me to believe that was a mistake. Fair. So, yeah, there's a reason I didn't sit with those kids anymore at lunch. <laughs> yeah. That'll do it. Uh, what else was on that evening at 8 p.m. Friends with the episode The One with Joey's Porsche at 8.30. Jesse with the episode Jesse versus Kurt at 9 p.m. Frazier with the episode The Dog That Rocks the Cradle. And at 9.30, Stark Raving Mad with the episode The Lion King. Lion King, not Lion King. I just realized the pun that they made there, and I'm very, very excited about it. <laughs> My... <laughs> <laughs> my bizarre fascination with this like very short-lived sitcom with Tony Shalhoub and Neil Patrick Harris grows by the week. Uh, this week's episode had 29.5 million viewers tuning in. This week's episode is directed by Ken Quapis doing his first of only two episodes. Uh, other stuff that he um, his he, he's kind of a veteran TV director. Uh, he's done a bunch of different stuff, um, but he did a bunch of episodes of uh, the American office, Malcolm in the middle uh, and a couple of episodes of freaks and geeks. Um, and in the interview we did with, uh, Robin Bronner, who is an assistant director, she, uh, actually mentioned Ken Quapis and, um, what a like change of pace kind of director he was, because normally you think of directors as like these like loud booming personalities. And like, we've heard a lot about, uh, Jonathan Kaplan and mm-hmm. how he was like sort of famous for yelling at people and yelling at actors and stuff and being very loud and boisterous. And she was like, Ken Quapis is like the most soft, gentle, like, like he doesn't even say action he's just like whenever you're ready so like she just had nothing but nice things to say about ken quapas so i think it's only uh, only fair that we give him his uh give him his due props here uh this week's episode is written by another uh short timer doug palau palau 
hope I'm saying that right. Uh, he is doing his one and only episode this week. Uh, it's the only episode he ever wrote, um, at least for this show. Uh, he he has also written episodes for NYPD Blue and Original uh, Law and Order, among uh, many many others. Uh, and then uh, on a production note, no Genie or Luca this week. Uh, Genie, of course, more notable than Luca because Genie is on the way out, fam. Two more episodes, I think. And also, just prefacing this, there's I'm going to lay down a pretty big trigger warning for suicide talk on this one. One of the major patients, pretty much the major patient of this episode, uh, is an attempted suicide. So, you know, if, that, if you're sensitive to that stuff, maybe take care of yourself. We'll see you again next. We'll see you again next week, hopefully with far less uh, triggering topics <laughs> involved. Because yep. this one was hard to watch even for me. Yep. A little bit. Yeah. So it's not it's not great. They it's definitely a graphic in the episode. So maybe don't watch this episode either. Uh, no previously on again. Weird. At, yeah. At what point I think do we consider that they maybe just decided to take the season off from doing previously on? I think <laughs> after five. Yeah, just seems to me like a pattern developing here. And I, he- I definitely heard somebody or, or saw somebody say in one of the ER groups the other day uh, that they preferred the seasons multiple where they didn't do previously on. So it makes me wonder if we're going to get through the entire season without them doing it. Maybe, maybe. Uh, we enter with Lizzie talking over her schedule on the phone while she and Mark are getting ready in his apartment. Ooh. And he snatches her keys so they have to smooch before she can leave. And he rubs his gross uh, shaving cream face all over her as as they're making out and stuff. And she bails to go to work. And Mark's, Mark's dad calls about a presumed emergency. And there was a fender bender last night. This will be a through line for the episode as well. And then we go over to uh, the beginning of a storyline. I don't like. I remember vaguely, mm-hmm. but I, but I don't. I can't say I have strong feelings one way or the other on. So I'll so it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, Carol's over at Doc's. She's getting some. She's apparently her, another through line with her is with Carol is that she's having trouble eating, keeping stuff down, and no appetite. Yeah, no appetite. So. She's only getting just some cornflakes and some orange juice for breakfast and complaining about her stomach and the twins with a pregnant waitress who is played by. Played by actress Martha Plimpton, who is a, a definite, oh, hey, it's that person. Um, somebody that I always enjoy when she pops up in things. Um, she was in the 80s classic The Goonies, uh, The mm-hmm. Mosquito Coast, and the film version of Parenthood. Not the TV series it was based on, but the film, uh, the Steve Martin movie. She was, I think, a teenager when that came out. She plays one of the older kids. So, um, But 84 credits to her name, and she is, as Lizzie uh, mentioned, making her first of four appearances in a little mini arc here that total same lizzie i have like the memory of the fact that this happened but no memory of the specific details where it goes or what my feelings are going to be on it going into it it's like i totally remembered that martha plimpton popped up at some point but couldn't tell you if my life depended on it what she's going to be doing yeah we shall find out uh but corday also runs in into docs um and she apparently and uh, carol lovingly points out i think you have some Shaving cream on your earlobe there. I love when she goes, so how's Mark? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the boss at uh, Doc Magoo's is being a, wait- a jerk. Is being a waitress. Such a jerk. The, bo- <laughs> the boss at Doc Magoo's is being a jerk to the waitress. And apparently she hasn't had an ultrasound and she doesn't have an OB. And she's pretty far along. I think, doesn't she say like something? Seven like, months or something. Yeah, something like 32 weeks or something like that. Um, or maybe that's Carol. I don't. 
She's she's, she's like seven months, I yeah, think. Yeah, she's also very far along, and she but she doesn't have insurance. And Carol's like, "Oh, where I work, we don't you don't need it." Mm. So which mm. she works right across the street. Why couldn't you say, "Hey, across the street where I work"? I'm sure she says that afterwards, but just yeah. the quip that we see is yeah, yeah. So we follow Corday out of docks where she stops at the newsstand on her way into the hospital. And, uh, ooh, here's another storyline that I did not realize we were going to be following up on after last week's episode. After I complained yep. about how little they did with it, I was like, oh, yeah, well, that maybe, was my maybe wait a week, asshole. That was my first thought when this showed up. I was like, didn't Daniel say they don't do anything with this? Yeah, I was. I, this is something, again, I completely just glossed over. Um, but. The newspaper headline is a pretty unflattering one about County with uh, Elizabeth's photo right there on the front page next to it. So, rut row. Uh, that Just takes plastered us... all over the side of the newsstand. Yeah, it's not a great look for her. Uh, I mean, it's a great picture, but, you know, being underneath that unflattering headline doesn't, uh, doesn't bode well for Lizzie here. But uh, that takes us right into the intro where we are four for four on bangs to start the season. Uh, we come out of the intro to Yosh helping Cleo with a patient in the Peds ER, a screaming little ginger child who I <laughs> I wrote down in my notes until we got her name. I wrote her down as just Satan uh, because <laughs> this child, this might be the worst child we've ever had on the show. Like just in terms of like, I mean, we've had more kind of grossly saccharine uh precocious children but like this child I, I texted the group chat and i was like lauren's gonna murder this fucking girl <laughs> you ready for it please nope because just like romano she's written to be a piece of shit so i can deal I, with it yeah so much so. better than the overly sweet so i was like yeah this is fucking funny she, this she is, is great she <sighs> is definitely purpose-built to be a brat for sure uh but uh, even still, I was like, she's doing it too well. Like she's pl- she is like method acting here. Um, her her scenes with Yosh are great. Yes. Now that is the one saving grace of this is that once again Yosh is the low key MVP because especially later in the episode when he chases her around the lounge, that is like chef kiss perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our our little demon spawn here is named Robin, uh, and Yosh is trying to placate her with stuffed animals as Cleo is trying to work on her, and the whole time she's just screaming and like thrashing around in her mother's arms screaming i hate you and uh, very good facial acting here from cleo where we're just that that's kind of like trying to remain professional and trying to remain stoic look while she's dealing with this kid that she clearly would like to strangle is just very very well done uh and then the other notable note here is the mother is played by actress susan haskell who had uh recurring roles on the tv series the uh daytime soap one life to live and jag Uh, Then we go over to Dr. Dave and Benton, and they're looking over a potential appendectomy, and um, Dave is reminded that Benton can't do general surgery anymore, and it's just like, he makes some smart-ass comment, and Benton goes, do you know what it means to be skating on thin ice? I do, I do like that Dave has taken to calling him Dr. Pete, though. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, took the exact wrong lesson from Carter there. Uh, and then we'll go into our first audio clip here. Uh, Carrie sees Gabe working on a patient by having him do a handstand, apparently to help him pass gas. That's good. Stay up there as long as you can. You're doing great. Carrie, hi. Morning, Gabe. How much longer? Uh, the expulsion of Flatus marches to its own drummer, Mr. Reinberry. And the more I fart, the better I'll feel. Yeah, well, to put it somewhat indelicately, yeah. I, I'll be back. Stay with it. 
Keep your eye on him, okay? I was just gonna grab a cup of coffee. Great, I'll join you. So you're starting off your day with a little splenic flexure syndrome, eh? <laughs> I, I didn't want to stand on his head until I, I reminded him. Gas rises. <laughs> that seems like you're settling in well. Oh, yeah, uh -huh. everybody's Good. terrific. Great. Mark Green is still pissing on trees a little bit. Do you want me to say something to him? No, no, Dr. I think we got it worked out. Yeah, Lily, yeah. Uh, it's Lucy. Lucy, Lucy but, sorry. That's okay. Sorry. Did you want to order the uh, oxacillin for the cellulitis in four? Cellulitis in four, yeah, you should have. You just didn't sign it. Oh, no, it's good. Easily fixed. There you go. Thanks. Sure. Is it just me, or are medical students younger than they used to be? <laughs> it's definitely the student. I, I haven't felt this old since your class graduated from med school. My class? Yeah. I remember your mom came up to me and she was thanking me for, you know, for inspiring you to go into emergency medicine. And the whole time she's talking to me, all I can think is, my God, we're practically the same oh, age. Oh, no. She had a year or two on you mm. anyway. How is she? How's she doing? She passed away a couple of years uh, ago. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah, it is. How is your family doing? Oh, all my ex-wives are alive and living well. And your son was going into medicine, too, wasn't he? Well, that was my dream, not his, as he would say. Of course, he doesn't say much of anything to me anymore. Families, huh? Don't figure. I did not want to get the, the <laughs> audio of the screaming child because it was very loud compared like, to the rest of the clips. I like <laughs> how you can hear the thundering herd mm -hmm. coming, though. Like, Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Remember remember all the uh, little subtle clues we talked about at the end of last week's episode of how they were dropping breadcrumbs as to where we're going? Well, those subtle clues have been replaced this week with a bag of hammers because they are just fucking beating you over the head with it from the minute, minute we start the episode. He's yeah. slipping. Thanks, I hate it. I love it, but I hate it. It's so well done, but oh, my God. Oh, boy. Yeah, they really cranked the volume up real high on this and episode. Not only is the little slips, but how he masks, too. Right. How he how he turns it around on people and stuff. Mm-hmm. He does a very good job with those masking behaviors, especially with Lucy later. Yeah, and almost to the point where you kind of buy it for a little bit. I mean, obviously, it's different with Carrie because Carrie, as we'll see later in the storyline, is very much in denial about his situation. Mm -hmm. But, like... He's so good at selling it. Like Alan Alda, such a good actor, and the character is obviously so you know accomplished and, and experienced and everything. He's good enough at selling it that you're like, well, maybe it was just an honest mistake, or you know, maybe I don't know. Yeah, trying to find a positive spin to to put on this story is very difficult because it's so sad. But it helps that I bel it helps that how good Laura Ennis and Alan Alda are with this storyline together. That I believe that they are very well acquainted that they are go back mm -hmm. for, forever i very much buy that yeah so it makes it more everything more tragic yeah in in better news though flutie flakes are back oh yes they are flutie watch 2022 continues nice. but yeah yeah yosh is chasing robin through the lounge that's <laughs> the that's... oncoming storm we heard yeah um, he does he does an amazing uh take on it though like he's chasing her down and then picks her up all in one motion as he's still chasing her and then carries her out of the room as her little legs are like flailing around it's it is very like lauren said it's written to be a certain way and it, it accomplishes that effect i want to know how much fun this kid had doing this Just getting to be an absolute bitch a brat the whole day yeah it's like, oh, oh yeah, all those things that your mom mom and dad tell you to do, tell, tell you not to do, just do them. Do them all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but let's go into our uh, next audio clip where Corday and Romano are talking about the article. I certainly never meant to convey any deficiency at County. Mm -hmm. I could hardly anticipate a shootout. Mm -hmm. And not everything in the account was negative. You're right, you're right. I particularly enjoyed the description of Dr. Carter clamping off his first aortic <gasps> rupture in an eight-year-old. Yeah, which, as the account clearly states, was successful. All right. Do you remember, Leslie, the point of this article? To toot County's horn. Actually, it was to toot my horn. Which is why you understand that I am disturbed at uh, not only at getting heat on this from upstairs, but at uh, finding my picture in a sidebar next to the obituaries. I'd gladly give up the front page. Lizzie, when I appointed you associate chief, it was for two reasons. One, to serve. Two, to protect my needs, my interests. But I have sensed some reluctance. To what? Corralling Benton, for one. We've settled that. Oh, have we? So I haven't made a mistake in appointing you? No, Robert, you haven't made a mistake. Good. Oh, by the way, there's been some slop over from the Anspot administration. It seems Donald is still scheduling his own surgery. Speak to him about that, would you? You can't be serious. It's interfering with my schedule. I am completely serious. I love how she's like, you can have the front page if you want. <laughs> I know, I like that yeah. they tucked his picture in next to the obituaries. Like, ah, oh, sweet. Spoilers. Hey, now. <laughs> Tread, <laughs> tread lightly, young lady. Okay, uh, I'm the oldest one here. Why are you calling me young lady? Because you are young and a lady. Yeah, I guess. What's, what's my not... bo my body feels eighty years old. My brain is eighty years old. Your personality is eighty years old. My point exactly. As Jen said after last week's episode, when I was relaying some story to to her about Lauren, I was like, Lauren spiritually is about sixty five, and Jen yelled back at me from across the room. She's in her fifties. <laughs> she gets it it was the cabbage i think yeah it was your cat that's right it was your cabbage and lentil monstrosity that you made for Ugh, lunch that it was it did not come out great i mean it lived up to its name then cabbage and lentil monstrosity yep but we go from there staying on the stairs with lizzie as romano takes his exit uh carter is asking lizzie about elaine's pathology report uh and when she's scheduled to be in to get her stitches out Stop it. Uh, HIPAA. He, right? I hardly know her. <laughs> God damn it, Lauren. That's a great line. Holy shit. Uh, Carter, my boy, leave it alone. Like, have you not learned anything over the last three episodes or however long this has been going on? Just leave it alone, my dude. Uh, Lizzie, and shame on Lizzie here, too, who in a roundabout way eventually gives Carter what he wants. After she initially resists, she eventually comes around and basically tells him when Elaine's appointment is. So shame on her, too. She she shares a little bit of the blame here. But uh, getting into our next patient, this is where if you, again, are at all uh, not interested in hearing about, talking about, or listening to anything involving suicide, now it might be the time to check out. Uh, because now is when we get our uh, our kind of one of our central patients for the episode, Tommy Stevens. Uh, the, we never get like an exact age on him, but I would imagine no. he's probably late teens. Yeah, he, lo like he looks 16, to be high probably. school age. Yeah, uh, but he's coming in as an attempted suicide by hanging. Also, yep, we love you all. We'll see you next week if you're bailing. Yeah, totally understand. Do not fault you at all. Uh, like Lizzie said, this was kind of a tough watch, even if you don't have any particular uh, proclivities around suicide. Like if you don't have any particular triggers around suicide, this is still a tough watch because they go into kind of excruciating detail on a lot of it. Mm -hmm. uh, starting first and foremost with uh, Dr. Dave commenting on the uh, oh. boys rope burn as they're coming in. 
Uh, and it feels like there's never been a worse time for this, there's, but Lauren. I'm just going to say, whose films are those? There you go. Very, very totally appropriate. Uh <laughs> Uh, they are. They need to intubate him, but intubation is potentially dangerous uh, with the damage to the neck. So that's why the um, paramedics didn't do it in the field. And uh, again, Doctor Dave jumps right to wanting to crike him, which Mark is right there and is like, "Slow down, cowboy! Like maybe let's let's think about this." And uh, I believe suggests a uh, fiber optic laryngoscope. So we'll get to yep. see that in a bit. Uh, and Tommy here, our patient, who we really don't get to meet here. It'll be a little bit later in the episode when he comes around. Uh, is played by actor Jesse Head, who appeared in stuff like So Little Time, Summerland, and the TV series that inexplicably unites Lizzie and Jake, Boston Public. Uh, and he's making <laughs> his first of two appearances. And then we go over to uh, Gabe working on rinsing a wound on a younger woman. The paramedics brought her in. Uh, her name is Becky, and she uh, she is apparently the one who cut the rope to save Tommy, and she cut herself trying to hold him up. The way she piecemeals this story together in front of Gabe is so horrifying. Like, it's yeah. so well done, but it's so horrifying. Like, the shock. Mm-hmm. Just everybody acts this really well. Oh, yeah, then we go over to Dr. Dipshit, uh, working <laughs> with the lar- laryngoscope to intubate Tommy. Uh, good job being guided and mentored by Mark there. Um, Dave, please stop making harsh and offensive comments about the patient's status because he says might be looking at a veggie burger and Becky overhears him and tries to run into the trauma room and they obviously pull her out and Gabe chews him out for his language and he says, open your eyes before you open your mouth and goddamn, I want a sound clip of Alan Alda saying that just to post on the internet anytime anybody's <laughs> being fucking stupid. Uh, or just in general, just I just want that on a just sticker. Just open your eyes before you open your mouth. Not even an STT sticker, just a sticker in general. I was I say, just, look, we already got the fourth sticker design. We, we have we have twenty stickers. In I was going to say I, I just gave Angela two more to work on last week. What, now, so. <laughs> Daniel? You absolute mad lad. Uh, I like Angela's work, and I like I to keep her it. busy. So I love Angela's work, and I love getting to pay her for things. So exactly, it, everybody great. wins. Uh, especially our listeners exactly our specifically our patrons and my computer yes i'm yeah, running out of room for stickers I know. I, <laughs> my desk is like covered in them as i'm looking at it right now um but anyway stickers aside uh we go from there to see becky talking about tommy uh how she didn't think he would kill himself uh, that she had a gut oh. feeling to go back inside which is just again this is where we're getting into like excruciating details of this whole process of like not just the suicide attempt itself but everybody who was affected by it and it's yeah uh his parents weren't home mom is in florida and dad was working we'll meet dad a little bit later uh robin comes up to try and help <laughs> And she's Which, being real calm here for a minute. Yeah, it's it is a nice change of pace from the way we've seen her in the rest of the episode. Like she comes up and like puts the end of the stethoscope in her hand and is like on his foot. Yeah, yeah. Like, are you are you sick? You look sick or whatever. And he just like Gabe very very politely, very gently tries to redirect her. And then as soon as he touches her, she starts to shriek again and runs off. And I think Cleo grabs her and is just like, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry about that. Like, just yeah. tries to like scurry her away. Uh, but then Mark goes in to check on Tommy, and apparently, and he's triggering the vent on his own. Good thing. Um, they're going to extubate him, and Gabe tries to come in and talk to Tommy like right away, like oh. right after Tommy is woken up. Um, 
and it's very like we need your dad's number like we need we need someone that we need to call someone we just on him immediately yeah um and mark says that you know i got it and tries to dismiss gabe uh tommy asks for becky and gabe keeps asking for dad's number um it's like oh do you don't want to say it there here you can write it and then tommy slaps the notebook away and mark tells gabe just to leave it alone because the police and psych are working on it also i just want to point out extubation always looks so uncomfortable i'm so glad every time i've had surgery that i've been asleep when they've extubated me because holy shit yeah holy shit oh god yeah um but then we go back to carol with the waitress from earlier meg um carol is giving her an exam and they're talking about the sex of the kid and if she wants to know or not and if carol wants to know what her twins are and Carol says she doesn't know what the twins are because there are very few true surprises in life, and she wants this to be one. Um, We find out the baby is a little small for 32 weeks. Carol bends over to pick something up and finds cigarettes in Meg's bag sticking out and starts white-nighting immediately, re-the-smoking. We find out Meg lost her job at Doc's, like, right after Carol left that day. Um... And Carol offers to get a social worker for her to find some aid. And Meg asks if there's jobs in the hospital or something like the cafeteria. I feel like white knighting is a bit strong of a term. She Just the way she does it is immediately like, you can't be doing this. You can't be doing this without like actually like starting to talk to her about it. Fair enough. But, like, but like I just saw that as normal like concerned nurse behavior, especially with someone so far along in their pregnancy. Okay, that's fair. I'm projecting because of what we know about Carol and her baby daddy. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, she comes from the Doug Ross school of conflict resolution where it's like let me jump to the most extreme measure possible to deal with this uh so you know i I, especially since like she's made it as far along as she is to have never been in to see uh an ob or get an ultrasound Mm -hmm. it's entirely possible that she may just not even know that that's bad like you know what was was it just a couple of years ago i mean in in season three or whatever that chloe was smoking with well i guess that was season one but chloe was smoking with little Susie. She clearly has some idea because she immediately says, no, well, a little, well, okay, I got fired. Like, she immediately tries to kind of cover for it. Yeah, her her instinct is to cover for it. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, this is, I guess. Listeners who were adults at this time, tell us when, we've had this discussion before, but tell us when smoking during pregnancy became a known no-no. Cover our asses here. It definitely was before 1999. Let me just... And October of 1999 at that. Like, I definitely remember that being a thing uh, as a child. When when she listed all the things that could go wrong to a baby if you smoked during pregnancy, I was like, oh, shit, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, mom, damn it. Small, preemie, fuck. Except you just wanted wanted out sooner than... Doctors would have liked. Yeah, but my mom also probably smoked while she was Lauren's, pregnant with okay. me. Lauren's compulsive compulsive earliness started at birth. <laughs> ah, what happens next? Uh, Mark is on the phone with his dad about the fender bender. Uh, Carrie is nearby, says there's a double trauma coming in that he needs to handle because she's been called into an emergency meeting with Romano. Uh, and of course, Robin, back on her bullshit, comes running through screaming, you can't catch me uh, with, <laughs> I, I believe this is another example of Yosh being not too far behind. Uh, R- Randy says that she's going to call security on Robin, which I fully support. 
Uh, let's take this child out. I uh, love. I love Carrie. Just brat. <laughs> Does security have like trank guns? Because that <laughs> we're, we're we're now hunting the child through the ER. Uh, and we find out that oh, we find out that dad canceled his insurance. Uh, so things are not going. I like how the, I like how we're not really seeing much of Mark's dad, but we get enough to know that his life is really unraveling without Mark's mom. And mm-hmm. that's going to necessitate him showing up at Chicago very soon. So see my brain when we when you said, oh, she's being hunted now. It was my brain immediately went to Jurassic Park yep. and the guy while he's like slowly stalking the Velociraptor. There's a video idea. Maybe I'll put that on tomorrow. There, there you, you go. go. Add that to the list. Uh, that's that's not a list. That's just whenever the fuck I want to watch Jurassic Park, <laughs> Fair which enough. is always. Uh, neighbor of Tommy and his dad called for Gabe, and Mark is the one that takes the call. We will check in with this a little bit later. Our next trauma is coming in a 31-year-old parachuting accident. Uh, and we find out as they're pulling them out of the ambulance and rolling them in that the chute didn't open because their lines got tangled. No thanks. I'm good. He says, like, I could barely pull the auxiliary in time. Yeah, and apparently there's, like, four dead at the scene. Like, these these two were the guys who were still somewhat alive. Like, so, pretty bad situation. Uh, we go over to the 51-year-old from male from the accident. Dave is trying to get in on one of the traumas, and he decides to flip flip Carter for it. You know, which one do you, which one, which one do you want? Because um, Dave wants the older gentleman, and... Uh, Carter's just like, what, dude, whatever, just, I, I was here first, go the fuck away. Um, but Dave wins and moves on with the 51-year-old. Because uh, he's bored with the thir- the idea of the 31-year-old, because the 31-year-old just looks like he has some broken bones. And yeah. the 51-year-old looks interesting. Yeah. Uh, 51-year-old is, uh, pupils are fixed and dilated, GCS of 5, which I can't imagine it's no. good i believe it's with that we've talked about that scale before yeah. but i yeah. think you get a four for being alive yeah like you get a four for breathing so yeah it's not great it's not great uh dave tells corday that peter took up a hernia and uh, mark scolds dave for being so thirsty to do so many pr- uh, so thirsty to do so many procedures because like he's like obnoxious about it. like oh can i do a central line oh can i do this oh can i do that okay oh, should I- we do this should we do that like yeah and then we go over to the 31-year-old. Um, Carter, Lucy, and Gabe are running this trauma. And Dave tries to elbow his way into this one because the older guy was a boring, un- unconscious case. And Mark chews him out for leaving the other patient. Says that the guy needs to be constantly observed by a doctor. And that's now Dave's job. And he has to get taken up to CT. And Dave's like, can a nurse do it? That's going to be his through line. Can a nurse do it? Nope, it's your job, dipshit. Um, and then Gabe asks for an x-ray twice and doesn't realize, and then he loses his train of thought with Lucy. Bag of hammers. Right? Like, I just feel like they have really, like, all the subtlety we had last week is just gone. It's just, like, we're gonna, maybe enough people weren't getting the message that they were like, no, here it is, right here in front of you. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess, because this is his third episode, right? Second? Second. Second. It's only a second? Wow, okay. Wow, I don't know where I've been. Um, Ready for this to be over because it hurts your feelings yeah. so much? I guess, yeah. So, never mind. I don't know. It was just it, it was just that it was like, again, we know where the story's going because we've seen it before and, and it's obviously it sticks with you. But, like, 
I was so impressed with the, the subtlety in last week's episode of like, they didn't beat you over the head with it immediately. And not to say that this stuff is bad, but it's just jarring when you compare it to last week's episode. It was such a slow burn that it feels like they have like done a year or two worth of advancement of his condition in the space of a week. And that's, that's but, the part that's a little bit frustrating. But I'm also going to say that's kind of how it can go sometimes. Like yeah. with my dad, at least, you know, we'd see him and one, one month he'd be relatively chatty and just a little confused. And then two months later, especially at the beginning of his disease, mm-hmm. he would be, you know, much more easily agitated and confused and like, yeah, you know, there are those jumps where somebody can plateau for so long and then spike. So we just may be catching him on a spike of his condition. Yeah, I suppose that's true. But yeah, you're right. It does feel very sudden if you're just looking at this as a window of like three weeks mm-hmm. and what the hell. Right. Uh, but we go from there. We see Benton working on a hernia with Anspa. And uh, Anspa is excited to be operating with him uh, when Lizzie comes in to spoil the party. And uh, Anspa kind of needles her a little bit about the article. And she very sternly asks Peter to step out of the room. Hmm. She's got to be the boss lady. Right. And then we go out to Carol up in the cafeteria. Mark is up there teasing her, trying to get her to eat something. And uh, turns out uh, Mark's dad crashed his car into a cypress tree. The neighbor's cypress tree. Yeah, as you do. Hundred-year-old cypress tree. Um, but then Cleo is talking to Robin's mom, and they're check. They're Robin's getting discharged because they think it was just gastroenteritis at this point. And, you know, the mom tries to apologize for her. And Yosh says, she's been perfectly, perfectly fascinating patient. Like, he tries <laughs> to cover his ass and, like, not be totally disingenuous about this. And it's very cute. And then we go over to Dave working with the 51-year-old Mr. Raybush. Raybash? Raybush? Um, and Dave says, CT looked like someone had scrambled his brain. Really not fucking learning your lesson there, Dave. Jesus. And Mark says that now Dave needs to track down the family. And Dave says, isn't that a nurse's job? And Mark says, only if you fail. And then we find Lucy is looking for Gabe. And then we go up to uh, Carter, who's stalking Elaine. And again, fucking leave it alone, Carter. What the fuck? <sighs> the worst part is that it works. Yeah. Um, you know, she's yes. How are you feeling? And she jokes lighter. I did. I did appreciate. Yeah, I that. did appreciate it. She's trying to cover her chest because of her. She's feeling very self conscious and vulnerable, and her tests are clear, so the cancer hasn't spread, which is very good news. Um, he tries to get her to go to a drink. Uh, he tries to get her to agree to go for a drink later and talk about anything other than how much life sucks, like the Y two K thing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I, believe, I believe that is our second on-screen mention of the Y2K bug. I think so. Yeah. Just wait until like we actually get to the episodes very close to the new year in a few weeks. Oh, yeah, I was going like, to say, a few more weeks. Then they bring it up a lot, I feel, I remember, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, I was reminded that I was actually at Disney World on Y2K, and my mom like wanted to get us out of the park early in case stuff shut down, just so we weren't stuck in Disney it's the happiest place on earth. The, not not to like completely derail us, but like the Y two K thing is a perfect example of when we do take proper precautions and we do stay on top of a situation and we do not let it become a <laughs> calamity. 
it is and we invest it, the money to fix it right it is then turned into something to be lampooned and made a joke of yeah because we have spent the last 22 years making fun of the y2k thing and what a nothing burger it was and that is not because it was an overblown controversy it is because we actually did the fucking work to make sure that it didn't affect crucial systems and it didn't shut the Dan- world down Daniel, I don't know what current event you could possibly be comparing this to. I I'm have no just idea. just saying, I don't think anybody's going to be doing fucking hacky stand-up comedy bits about the pandemic. I mean, I'm sure they will, but it, won't, ha- it about- won't have quite the same sort of panache that the fucking Y2K. There was a lot of hacky comedians that got a lot of mileage out of like, oh, that Y2K thing, that sure was a big fucking nothing, wasn't it? Like... Guys, it wasn't that it wasn't a big deal. It was that we did the work to make sure it wasn't a big deal. And all the all the COVID shit's just going to be jokes about our shared collective trauma. Yeah. On that happy note, uh, <laughs> he, uh, Car- uh, Carter says, "I'm not giving up," because she keeps rejecting. Because she keeps like pushing back. And yeah, he says, "I'm not giving up." Please do, Carter. Hold on, hold on. That's that's the noise my brain makes whenever these two are on screen together. It's just fucking awful. <laughs> and like I said, it works. She agrees to see him at seven. Gross. I are, hate everything about this. Please, this is. I'm gonna ask. It's I'm, the Top Gun review all over again. Are the straights okay? They're really not. One one more episode. That's all we have left with this. One more episode, and then thank we're, Christ, we're done with it forever. Hopefully, it's next week. I have no idea. But uh, we go from there. Uh, we see Dave on the phone trying to get a hold of the patient's family, his 51-year-old parachute patient. Uh, family wants a message dictated and read to the patient, which he helpfully uh, transcribes on the back of a tissue box. Uh, because that screams preparedness there, Dr. Dave. I mean, he didn't know he was going to have to take a message. He's new to this. He's an idiot. I guess. And, and I really shouldn't bag on him too hard because this is legitimately, by the end of the episode, this is legitimately one of Malucci's finest hours. So I really shouldn't uh, make a make too much of a fuss, especially on this, the day that we got subtweeted by fucking Eric Paladino on, on Instagram for like subtly shitting. For a shit meme. Subtly shitting on him in a meme, which is. A, the jigs up. It's like, yeah. That was a, that was a genuinely funny moment for all of if us. If he writes, if he writes you back, I'm gonna die. I just thought that was so funny. Like of all of the things, that, like we tag people in stuff every week, and nobody ever gives a and shit. That's and that's the and one this someone was, pays attention. But this to. was the thing that I didn't tag anybody in, and yet he somehow still found it, and somehow still was, like felt compelled to comment on it. Which it was all in good fun. I hope. Like I hope he was not genuinely offended, but. Who knows? Yeah, we're not saying he's a I made person. sure to comment on that yeah, in I, the thing. And I, I put it in the caption as well. I was yeah. like, this is not about Eric. This is about Dave. <laughs> it's not Eric we don't like. It's Dave. Yeah. But in any event, uh, we go from there. Uh, Mark's dad has called back and says the neighbors want him to buy a new tree. Uh, when we see somebody uh, in front of the desk, someone is talking heatedly with Gabe, and we find out it's Tommy's dad. Uh, dad here is played by actor Jack Stalin, who had recurring roles on Weeds and another Jag alumni. I think there's, a, I think there is some kind of through line connection between ER and Jag, the same way there is with um, West Wing. Like, I, th- I feel like there's somebody behind the scenes who went on to be like an executive producer on Jag or something. There's some kind of connection there. Damn it! You said the magic words, and now I want to rewatch West Wing. It doesn't take much to trigger Lauren's. Re- we just canceled Peacock. <laughs> it, I know. It does not take it's, much to trigger re- <laughs> Lauren's rewatch gland. Like it's very it's easy. It's so bad. To I'm, I'm running out of space on my Plex server. That's fine. I can I can just buy it. 
Uh, but Mark steps away from the call to go step in on Gabe and the dad, try to mediate that situation. Uh, and Gabe is like fully in like Doug Ross mode here where he is like white knight browbeating this guy and says that, you know, he can't see his son because he doesn't deserve to because he's basically like a they paint him as like he's like a workaholic dad that like he, he's never around for his son. And which may be true, but it's also maybe not the fucking time, Gabe, like maybe just give him a minute. But in any event, uh, we see Meg talking to Carol uh, about her interview with Viola in the cafeteria. Um, and I think it's here where we find out that she missed her interview. Or is it here no, that she's finding out bit. she's getting her interview here? She's getting her interview. Yeah, yeah. She's, we find out a little bit she's later. gotten she's her like, interview in the, the cafeteria or, or has has secured her interview in the cafeteria. Yeah. She Right now she's excited. Oh, yeah, I have time to go home, get cleaned up. That's right. Back. That's right. Be more presentable. Yeah. So let's go to our next audio clip. Uh, Corday is trying to get an edit of the newspaper story when uh, Anspot comes by. No, no, not a retraction, really. Just simply the other side of the story. Yeah. Well, think about it. Elizabeth, you wanted to talk? Please. Yes, thank you. If it's not a bad time. No, not if you don't mind my scrubbing. Not at all. Has this mirror always been there? I believe it is a recent rocket addition. Whatever for? One can only imagine. God, I hate these caps. They look like a Yorkshire pudding. Elizabeth? Yes. Um, I did need to talk to you, Donald. I'm sorry to even have to mention it. Oh, don't apologize. Someone has to do the devil's work. Well, I'm relieved you see it that way. And it is not easy managing colleagues. I'm beginning to realize that. When I was doing my rotten job, much of which you've recently taken on, I always tried to get to the core of the issue. Right. Ask yourself this. Do you believe Peter Benton is a good surgeon? Peter Benton? Hmm. Yes, of course. He's an excellent surgeon. Ah, even better. Now ask yourself this. Should county have excellent surgeons working on its staff? Absolutely. Then don't you think we should all want Peter to practice surgery whenever he can? Yes, I, I do, actually. Um, I don't agree with Dr. Romano. Now, one thing to keep in mind in your new position, if you don't agree with the dirty work, don't do it. He makes a good point. Hey, when when the fuck did, uh, when the fuck did Anspaugh get so fucking cool? Like we, he's he's always he's always had trickles of being neat. Like had him, but now he doesn't have the pressure of running the goddamn yeah. place. I guess so. so. I, I kind of liken it to when we have like a, a last one, notwithstanding. But when you when you get to like the last little bit of a president's term, where like you know they they've their their terms are up, they're not running for reelection, or they've already lost, and like they're on their way out of office, and you get that genuinely, usually genuinely nice like two to three month period where they just get to be a guy or a person and do all the like cool shit that they wanted to do their entire presidency, but couldn't because of bureaucracy and shit. They just hand out fun awards and like rename libraries and shit. Like this, that's and eat the, ice cream. Yeah. Like that, that, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from Anspa here. It's like fucking second semester. Obama like does not give a fuck anymore. No longer has to please anybody. Just saying what's on his mind. Like for sure. That's what I'm down for. Wearing tan suits. Oh, my God. Hey, that was first that, semester yeah. Obama. Oh, that was first me. term Obama. He was pissing off the the Fox News crowd very early on. Some would argue from birth. Moving on. What oh, happens I next? 
Uh, so Dr. Dave is walking in to check on his 51-year-old patient. Uh, Lucy, on his way there, tries to tempt him with a nasty split kneecap, but he says, nope, I'm stuck with this guy, sorry. He goes into the room and finds the patient dead, and Benton has been called time of death with Lily kind of working on the body. So, bummer, I guess. He, he's like, what'd you do? Why'd you call it? And Benton's like, because he died. That's generally That's what, what patients. <laughs> Um, but yeah, then we find out, oh no, Robin is back with the paramedics. She had a bounce back issue from this morning. She's unconscious and unresponsive. She had a cardiac arrest at home and Cleo is working on her with Carrie. They figure out it was iron poisoning because the vitamins are left on the kitchen table. And Carrie asks Connie to move the mom out of the room. And Yosh tries to assist and support Cleo through it because, you know, they went through the the trenches with this little girl this morning yeah this is what i was trying not to be too hard on the kid uh she I, fucking dies i loved daniel's note in the group <laughs> chat when he's like oh god lauren's gonna want to kill this kid oh never mind the episode takes care of it i just was like <sighs> like it is purely because the child is fictional that i mm-hmm. feel comfortable in saying that no one is sad this child dies. <laughs> like this, this child sucks so much that like anyone who says they're sad about this in this episode is 100% lying through their teeth. Uh, like, the mom. Well, other than the mom. Well, even the mom yeah. might feel a, a hey, minuscule hey, bit hey, of hey. like, oh, thank God. Like, hey. Better luck next time. No. Well, so, Cleo feels bad. So let's yeah. get her and Carrie in, af- af- in the aftermath of all this. We got a case number from the coroner's office. Well, why don't you see if you can track down the family pediatrician? The nurses can do that. I want to do it. <clears throat> I'm sorry. You know, there'll be an M&M, and there could also be medical legal issues. Do you mind if I look over your notes? Charts on the counter. Now, what was your discharge impression? Food poisoning or a mild case of gastroenteritis. Okay, did you ask about household poisons? Mom said the house is childproof. Description meds? Out of reach. Did you ask about iron? No. I'm not sure I would have either. Okay, the chart looks good. Everything you did was within the standard of care. Risk management won't have a problem. Is that it? Cleo, you saw the child in the second phase of the overdose. When she looked and felt completely normal, you did exactly what any one of us would have done. I should have asked. Iron is on the differential. So are 200 other things. You did everything you could. No, I didn't. She's dead. Carrie does a great job here about being really sympathetic for Cleo and like, yeah, she's checking the facts. She's trying to cover her own ass like Carrie does. But she also is like, that's a differential of one of 200 things you would have had to ask about. I would have missed it. Like, you saw her when she was on the up and up. Of course you didn't get it. Yeah. I think it's less of a Carrie-specific ass and, the ho- and like, the department or yeah. the hospital's ass. Well, yeah. Well, she does say risk management will be fine with this. Yeah. But I'm just saying that, like, it's, it's, it's good middle ground, Carrie, here, mm-hmm. where she's yeah. doing the manager job, but she's also acknowledging to Cleo, like, any of us would have missed this. Yeah. Sometimes- Why would you ask about Iron? She looked fine. Sometimes it's not about making the situation better. It's about not making the situation worse. And that's 
that's where Carrie is right here. And I would argue this is among the best scenes that Cleo gets. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. This this whole sequence, like this whole episode, I was like, this is the Cleo we could have had. Yeah. I, that's And that, I think that is what is so frustrating. I mean, I know I've said that before and I will say it again, but like the thing that is so frustrating about Cleo as a character, which again is we, we need to clearly, we need to make clear whenever possible that whenever we're talking about stuff like this, we're always talking about the character and not the actor. Uh, but the, the writing just does her so dirty that like, yep. this was a character who checked so many boxes of things that could have been the next great character. Like this could have easily been a, a, a worthy successor to a Doug Ross. If you had played your cards, right. But because like, you know, again, the, the show needed more youth. The show needed more characters of color. The show needed more strong personalities. Like the show needed a lot of the things that she could have provided. And for whatever reason, they just never get out of first gear with her. And, you know, this is a perfect example here of like, this is a genuinely great moment. It's, it's yeah. her third episode, fourth episode, whatever it is. And I don't, I mean, I know there are other moments with her, but just like, these moments are going to be few and far between with her. For the most part, she's basically just going to be Benton's girlfriend, and that sucks. But uh, Dave then tells Mark that Parachute Guy died, and he is, uh, as he's still carrying around the tissue box with the uh, message written on it. Uh, we'll check, pay, check back in with them a little bit later. Uh, Gabe is also in with Tommy instead of with uh, his other patients. Uh, we He's attempt at least attempting to get a little bit more... Uh, connection and information from Tommy uh, find out that he attempted because of Becky's breaking up with him and not his dad. So Gabe was really off base to kind of go after uh, Tommy's dad for that whole thing. Uh, but you know, it's almost like you need more information. Yeah. You almost don't want to go off half cocked who knew, uh, but here we are. So we'll check back in a little bit later. All right. And let's get into our next audio clip here. Uh, Corday and Romano. Corday standing up for herself? Hmm. What? Lizzie! Dr. Dancebaugh? Yes. And? How'd he take it? He didn't. I didn't discuss it with him. What, you didn't get around to it, or what? I hope when you offered me this position, you did it because, my surgical skills aside, you trust my judgment. Naturally. Now, if I'm here to protect your interests, then I have to tell you it's in your best interest to keep Donald Anspar happy. Hmm. Not only is he a great asset to the surgical staff and to you, hmm. but he's also earned special consideration. Now, if this interferes with your tennis lessons in any way, then I'm sorry. I don't play tennis. Whatever. The point is, if you want to push Donald out, you'll have to whoa, do it whoa, by whoa, yourself. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who said anything about pushing him out? Well, I assume this is just the first step. Lizzie, when you assume, you make an ass of you and me. What? Whatever. Look, I, I just want Fridays off. I thought you could talk to Donald about the OR schedule, but if you're not comfortable doing that, I understand. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. All right. I love the false sense of security here, and she's like, that's not what I expected. Yeah. I get well, like remember when we said like less than two minutes ago about going off half cocked with no with, a, with right? the wrong information right is something in the water I I really I like several things about this one I really like uh, this is one of those like underappreciated camera movements where it follows mm. them down that hallway and then they change direction and come back down the same hallway they just came and the camera stays with them the whole time like this is the, the proof that like the steady cam doesn't always have to be for the like fancy trauma scenes. Like sometimes it can be 
used in really unique and fun ways for just something as mundane as two people walking down the hallway and talking to each other. Um, yeah. I really liked some of the insight we got on the walk and talks on that last episode. Yeah. We did. Excited for people to hear yeah, it. Definitely. And two, I like how Romano immediately abandons the assume thing. <laughs> like when you assume you make an asset and she's like, what? And he's like, never mind. Never. <laughs> Just immediately abandons it. That's like so many bits I try to do on here. Just never mind. Never mind. The no means no one is still my worst failure. I don't even remember what that one was. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember uh, what that one was. Uh, Obviously, I was, it was a failure. So it whatever. was. So last, I'm going to tell it, and who fucking cares? Uh, last week when um, we were talking about consent, and oh, oh, to oh, leave oh, Elaine oh, alone, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I said, "Lizzie, can I touch your shoulder?" And you went like, "Yeah, uh, why not? I did and leave I was, that one in though, so that they'll oh. at least know what that's about." Yeah, my no mean. Yeah, uh, so boy. failed bits. Just never mind. That's okay. Uh, but then let's go into our last audio clip for this episode. Mark's trying to get a, so- a soda from the vending machine, and Gabe tries to help him get the machine, take a dollar. Lauren is angry at me because she wrote pop, and I said soda. It's a soda. pop. It's He's a getting soda. a pop out of the machine. I was getting soda. You're feeding it wrong. What? Try folding it long ways, and then flip up the corners and fold it flat. Or you can just tell me to mind my own business. Go ahead. Oh, I'm kidding. I use quarters myself. What do you want? Uh, Coke. Caffeine. We are Doc's best friend. Tommy went up to medicine. Your ad put him on a hold. You don't have to fill me in. I jumped to conclusions with your dad. I wanted to help. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Well, kids in trouble. You know, you go to the parents first. Dad was still an ass for going back to work. Yeah. You have a family? A daughter. Wait, are you divorced? You get to see her a lot? She lives in St. Louis. You know, when I was when I was about your age, my son was brought into the ER. He'd he'd uh, he'd fallen out of a tree. They patched him up, you know, good as new. And it wasn't until later I realized he had jumped out of the tree. He wanted to come see me. But that was then. Dr. Know. Lawrence, uh, Mr. Henderson is on his way to the OR. I just need you to co-sign this chart. I can do that. Thanks for the coke. You bet. Did you check a second crit? 38, um, and the EKG was normal. I reviewed the films with radiology, and you were right. Comminuted tib fib, non-displaced calcaneal fracture, and the cystogram was normal. Cystogram? Why'd you get a cystogram? You ordered it when the urine tested positive for blood. He had microscopic hematuria. I ordered an IVP. No, you said cystogram. I wouldn't order a cystogram for 30 red cells. You did. Lucy, I've been treating trauma patients for 30 years. I think I know what I ordered. Get an IBP before he goes up. He's already on his way. And catch him and get him into radiology. He's not going to surgery without an IBP. Mm, so much about that. Just the the story about his son jumping out of the tree. Like, that'll break your heart. Mm-hmm. And then when he talks to Lucy and you really see how far this has progressed, that really breaks your heart. Like, there's just... Oh, boy. I didn't realize they accelerated it this quickly. I know it's only he's only here for I know he's only here for a few episodes, yeah. but like I thought it was like like th- episodes like three or three and four were. I, I think this one's still not too egregious. Like these are still like 
in a in a vacuum just you know innocuous mistakes mm-hmm. like fair enough it's still it's because what we know i think that's why we're okay. like wow yeah, but i think it. i think even here we could have easily just been like okay one of them got confused right like it's still like we're noticing it more but it's still like oh okay yeah i definitely think if you were watching this episode uh cold and like you were watching it for the first time you don't know where the storyline goes I think this would definitely be the episode where you would start to smell a rat. Like you would definitely start mm-hmm. to smell that something is off here. Like they wouldn't make a point of showing him making these many, this many right. innocuous, simple mistakes without there being a reason for it. Right. And so this would definitely be the one where you'd be like, oh shit, is this what they're doing? Like, yeah. uh. but we do get one nice bit of, something out of this we get uh something we haven't had in a while some nice uh fresh hot sign content in the background i want to say the timestamp on this i forgot to write it in the notes but i believe it was 3838 if you want to go and uh, look for this on your own it's right as lucy is walking up to them you can see over her uh, left shoulder on the wall next to the admit desk uh, there is a sign on the wall of a like looks like a runner or maybe like a track and field athlete woman and she's doing like the bicep curl pose like the thing like this and the the she's very like tan and sweaty and like beating down and the caption in all capital letters on either side of her head is fry now pay later which i assume is a skin cancer psa yeah, that like, would be my guess but it was just it, it's it's perfectly framed right over lucy's shoulder these giant letters that just say fry now pay later which is i don't know it was funny to me nice i missed that one but excellent uh, we get Dave headed out for the day, and Mark throws the tissue box at him on the way out that he had written his um, patient's family's message on, and he throws it out. Hmm. And then Mark calls to check on his dad, see how he's doing. Carol is going to go soak her feet and the rest of herself in a hot bath after being on her feet all day when Meg shows up and says she missed her interview because she just couldn't go through with it because no one wants to hire a pregnant woman bummer yeah and then uh a six-year-old comes in ben sasa Mm -hmm. was that his name uh two days of puking altered with fever cleo and carrie are running the trauma and he's super dehydrated no response to stimuli and his veins are all completely collapsed because he's so dehydrated um cleo is doing a central line to get an iv and carrie is prepping for a cut down as a backup but cleo manages manages to make it work this is, is this one of those like life goes on patients? This yeah. is just yeah. one of those like you can't be too hung up on the ones that go wrong because right. there's always another one coming in. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Yosh says that they got a hold of Robin's pediatrician and pulls Carrie out of the trauma. Lucy then asks Carter if if he heard Gabe order the cystogram or um, the other test that he wanted. And Carter says she must've ordered the wrong thing because that's not something Gabe would have messed up on. And that's not a common sense test that he would have ordered. So she must've screwed up. Yeah. Cause it's always Lucy's fault, Carter. It's always Lucy's fault, especially against like an older white man. <sighs> and then we get what is genuinely, again, I will say genuinely one of Dave's finest moments. This is one of Malucci's mm-hmm. finest hours here. Uh, he, because at this point as the audience, you're led to believe that, you know, Malucci has done, done what you'd expect him to do, completely abdicated any responsibility he had to this patient, tossed the thing in the trash and left for the night. But then you actually, they, they start with the shot in the trauma room. So you don't even know what we're about to see. Really. You just see this like bag on the table, which we realize is the body bag. 
And then all of a sudden, here comes Malucci bursting through the door with the tissue box, and he just stands there next to the bed and, like, very quickly you can tell he's uncomfortable but like he stands there and like very quickly reads off the statement and gets through all of it and then drops the thing in the trash can and goes back out the door like his conscience is clear he's he's done his thing and like again kind of mirroring the the cleo moment as well like both of these characters had great potential like both of these characters again as as kind of the doug ross personality had had tremendous potential as characters and yet they never really get there with either one of them for varying reasons, which we'll get into as we go along. But a genuinely good moment that we need to, I need to recognize when they come along because I can be particularly hard on Malucci as a character. But uh, me? You? No. no you? Never. Hard on Malucci? No. Never would I dedicate an entire bit to Malucci. Nothing compared to how much you're going to chew Ray out. Oh, God. Oh, that's going to be a bloodbath. Uh, so we go from there, uh, rounding out the episode, uh, Mark and Lizzie are talking in the lounge, uh, which we, we did sort of point out, a, I guess, a continuity error, more or less. Like, why is she changing down in the ER lounge? She's always changed up in the surgical uh, locker room. And she's, as we know, Peter is the one assigned to the ER at the moment, not her. So not really much. Re- I guess maybe there could be some justification for it since her and Mark came in together. Maybe there's something to that, but... I don't know. Uh, we find out Mark is going to be paying for the Cypress tree out of pocket, telling his dad uh, that the insurance is paying for it. Uh, and <laughs> as they're walking out, Mark pulls a big bag out and tries to like be coy about it and hide it from Lizzie. And she's like, no, what is that? And turns out he got the article framed for her, which is a genuinely sweet moment as they head out into the ambulance bay. And where Gabe is just staring out at the street as the episode ends like bleak yeah looking what kind of what kind of yeah i'll say what kind of face is that i think it's the face of a guy who knows something is wrong with him but is maybe not ready to because i think as a doctor he has to he knows like and i think it's just that he's maybe either not ready to accept it yet or doesn't fully like hasn't come to terms with it yet and yeah I, i really actually think it's one of the best moments of the episode that involves like no spoken word whatsoever like it's it is a total like through the looking glass kind of moment where you get to see you get to read so much about what's going on inside this guy's not only his head and his and his mind but his soul as well mm-hmm. like he's doing some serious soul searching in that moment that he knows something's wrong with him and it's just man fucking alan alda can i also point out i think it's so sweet that they invite him to dinner it is yeah it's a, it's a very sweet moment this is uh, this is an episode that I think under different circumstances could be really bad. Mm-hmm. And, like with all the suicide stuff, especially contrasted with the kid being so bratty in the top half and like being, you know, it ends up dying. Like this this is an episode that could have gone sideways very very easily. And in the end it ends up being like a really solid above average episode yeah. where we get some really great moments out of these new characters that you know, maybe don't bear long-term fruit, but in the in the vacuum of doing week by week looks at these things, these are like you you should definitely hold on to these. These are very good moments to to keep track of. Remember Cleo like this. Yep. Yeah. I'm gonna give it an eight. Yeah, I think eight's about fair. Daniel. I think no, yeah, I think seven, eight, nine, somewhere you know, probably yeah. probably leaning more towards the eight, eight and a half mm-hmm. end of that scale. 
because there's not really a ton like going back and just quickly scrolling through the notes like there's not really other than again the fucking sore red thumb of the beginning of this season carter and elaine carter and elaine is the only thing about the first four episodes of this season that does not work same and the sooner we can be done with that the better um but every other aspect of this episode works at least pretty well and in most cases works really well so a lot to like here solid uh what the listeners think about it uh franner w says martha plimpton my favorite goonie basic mall on twitter says i love the setup for the whole alan alda storyline with him showing forgetfulness it's just done well i also love that carol tried to help meg but i hate where it ends up a little bit also, I have my Corday mention for the episode. The scene with her and Carol at Doc Magoo's was a cute little moment. I wish we got more of their friendship. That's something I will echo again and again as well. The little things they do with Carol and Lizzie are always fantastic, and I wish we got more of it. And and totally something that I had completely scrubbed from any memories mm-hmm. I had of this show. I, I never remembered them doing anything with Carol and Lizzie as a, a friend. Uh, what would you call that? <laughs> a, a, the women version of a bromance. Like, yeah, it's... That's called friendship. We just call know, that friendship. But, but yeah. it has to have a cute name. Like... Gals being pals. There you go. Gal pals. Yep. Um, at About Bunny says, first time commenter. Welcome to the comments. I actually created a Twitter account just to be able to comment when you get to my girl Abby soon, but had to jump in with this episode as well. First, I love the little moment of Carol slash Elizabeth's friendship at the beginning of the episode in Doc Magoo's. Then, Alan Alda is a complete treasure, and I love his Gabe Lawrence. His mentoring of Lucy is very sweet, and his well-deserved rant at Malucci is very on brand for Hawkeye Pierce. I can't remember how many episodes his arc is, but judging from how we're already getting signs of his memory issues, it's not going to be enough for my liking. At SMB for the win says, I find myself shaking my head and muttering Lizzie, Lizzie, Lizzie in Romano's voice. It's a rare occasion where I think he's right about Elizabeth's fucking up. This is the same woman who witnessed a random guy leave his sexual assault victim on a gurney in the middle of the ER, and yet she acts like nothing could go wrong, leaving the reporter unattended. No, nothing bad could possibly happen. I am, however, happy for more Carol and Elizabeth moments. It's a friendship they have danced around since season four, and I really wish they did more with it. I could do without any references to Mark Green being a sexual person, though. Ugh. At the full-time dad says, This episode represents the floor and ceiling of Dr. Dave. The floor is that he's a callous jackass that doesn't let his patients or their loved ones stand in the way of a good joke. The ceiling? A doctor who has the occasional flash of compassion. By occasional, I'm talking all of 25 seconds. Off the heels of the beginning of Alan Alda, Gabe Lawrence arc, we start to see the Martha Plimpton arc. Meg's character immediately shows her hand of being irresponsible and possibly unprepared for motherhood. But man, we're in for a ride with this one. Cleo's case was a tough one. I just thought Robin was a little precocious brat too. Peds is a brutal practice at times. Really like Anspa in this episode. He's been a great check against Romano's borderline tyranny, especially in this episode and the five finale. And finally, we're starting to see the subtle signs of Dr. Lawrence's dementia, thanks to Lucy. We all know where this is headed and the heartbreak that is around the corner. Lastly, can we please make... I think he... uh, Carkles? Carkles? 
She's Elaine Nichols. Uh, so Carkles. Carkles. Oh, that's that's oh, that's such an uncomfortable. I don't even want to say that. <laughs> Can we please make Carkles stop? That sounds like a like infection. Uh, such a cringy pairing, and I love Rebecca De Mornay. One more episode. We're almost there. All right. Well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. Uh, the show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week, but for only $5 a month, you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. Two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. Some big stuff coming down the pipeline. Yerp. And over 30 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes. A bonus show called The Lounge, where we talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives at that moment. Movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, uh, Top Gun. We recently did. That has been released as of a couple weeks ago now, yes. Yeah. And a flash forwards where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Setting the Tone Podcast. And we are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also be sure to check out the official Setting the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me not pissing off ER cast members on my personal Twitter at lowbob92345. <laughs> That's all on Instagram at lobo92345. Oh yeah, yeah. You can, uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at random gamer. That's J M three R. I am not on Instagram, or at least actively. Um, but you can also find me on the Popular Courts YouTube channel, doing a let's play of Mass Effect Two. New episodes of that are every Friday. You can find those videos and much, much more at YouTube.com/slash/The Popular Court. Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Bye.